welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, what's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast. I don't remember. I think it's 215 uh, 3 p.m. on a Friday. I don't know the date. I think it's the 18th of January 2019. We got a big storm brewing, getting ready to smash us here in Iowa. So, so they say. Every time they predict a big winter storm, it's like my dad calls it LTM. He'll send me a text. It just says LTM, which he refers to it as little old teeny mess. Uh, but every now and then we get bombed. We got bombed last week when they didn't, uh, tell us it was coming. It was been, it's been kind of fun. I use it as a, as a workout, get my, get my swole patrol on in the driveway. Uh, but I thought I'd podcast just in case we lose power or something like that. You never know. Iowa internet. It's, some would refer to it as, um, spotty at best. I know Joe Rogan loves it. Uh, he loves Iowa internet. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just bang this thing out because part of the reason I want to is because I've got something on my mind. Two things, actually. Uh, the first thing is just letting everyone know I've made a little, um, kind of a little partnership with Total Archery Challenge. And for the Total Archery Challenge in... Uh, Utah, and also the Total Archery Challenge in Big Sky um, on Friday for the first tram rides. I've blocked off um, a designated amount of time. I think it's an hour and a half of tram rides on Friday. First ones up in the morning are going to be knock-on nation only. So they're in the process right now of getting me a sign-up to where you can sign up for those total archery challenges for there'll be again it's limited time so there's there is only so many people that can fit on the tram and that can go up um, so you'll need to book in for that uh, ride up there and what I'm going to do is we'll figure out how many people are fitting on the tram we'll figure out how many groups there are divided by the targets and my plan is to be up there to meet up with the first group up uh, shoot a certain amount of targets with group one hold up shoot a certain amount of targets with group two hold up shoot a certain amount of targets with group three hold up etc um, I'm gonna be there I'm gonna have some of my homies with me and we're gonna have some fun and not only that once we get done I'm planning around noon uh, there's gonna be two designated locations where we're gonna have setups for knock-on nation members and free-ranging Americans to take part in what I'm gonna refer to as a little uh, a little I don't know I'm gonna call it a community tailgating rendezvous with some grilling some chilling and some awesome people it's going to be a little secondary event that'll kind of be off to the side 
uh, you'll still be, able to, still be able to utilize all the awesome parts of the Total Archery Challenge on Saturdays and Sunday. But if you want to hang out with us Friday, then that's going to be the place. Um, it's going to be some more details to come brought to you by some of my really good friends. Black Rifle Coffee's fully committed. Uh, Killcliff will be jumping in there. Sitka has jumped in on there. Um, as well as Traeger. We're going to be doing some grilling. I'm probably going to call on some of my friends. Uh, I haven't officially done it yet, but hey, Dayton Holloway, uh, Traeger Daddy, you guys got to get your crap together because I'm going to be rolling in with 500 pounds of ground elk meat from the Montana mountain and we're going to be grilling burgers for these friends so this is going to be a sweet event we're going to be rolling in uh, fifth wheel families included um, it's going to be fun it's going to be a good time for the community so let's party it out this will be Stop one will be in Utah, and then we will pick up where we left off the next week for all my friends up in the big sky. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, really looking forward to this. It'll be fun. Be able to shoot some with you, hang out with you, and then you're still going to be able to kind of get get in on um, your Saturday and Sunday events with the Total Archery Challenge if you want to as well. So keep that in mind. I will have a separate sign-up for this. Um, and there's gonna it's going to be fun. So uh, be ready. When I announce it, for first come, first serve to um, the trams and the slots available on the trams. First come, first serve. If you don't make it, you can either... Try to book your Friday times like immediately following that. We're going to be shooting the Sitka range, so we're going to shoot be shooting the the you know technical range, so to speak. Um, I'll probably have some fun little prizes and secondary activities lined up, I'm sure by then. Uh, but we're in the early stages. But nevertheless, it's going to happen. Looking forward to it. We're pumped and looking forward to being able to hang out tailgate with you all so i'm excited um next thing is i've been shooting like a madman right now and kind of shooting till shooting till my calluses have calluses which is always a good sign um and i had this over the last two days um i've been i've been shooting just a whole bunch of random stuff I've uh, been shooting some different bows, been shooting some different arrows. I've been just shooting a bunch of different stuff. And I had this epiphany. Epiphany? Epiphany. Either, either way you say it. For the first time, I really, really had this noticeable difference in the impact of my arrows based on the type of stabilization I had on my bow. Um, I was playing around with a bunch of different stuff. I feel like I had gotten really lucky with what I was shooting in the past, um, but I had never really tried different things. There's a lot of, I'm going to call them fads, but there's been a lot of movement and changes in the stabilization world and how people utilize 
more weight, less weight, you know, different modulus carbons, all this stuff. And, you know, I just never really messed around much with it because I was just always happy with where I was at. But funny enough, once I started playing around with it, um, and mainly the reason I'm doing it is because I've been contemplating, um, because I get asked so much about stabilization, I've been contemplating um, offering a stabilizer um, that's kind of custom tuned to what I like. And for the first time, I noticed some really big differences in my groups. Um, and I felt like I needed to talk about it. It's for those of you listening, by the way, it's an early stage. I really have no idea if I'm going to do a stabilizer. Don't even know if I want to bother with any of that. Um, but it's one of these things now where it's got me a little bit fascinated. And, you know, I feel like this mad scientist where I'm, you know, trying all these different combinations. I've got this whole floor that's laid out. The other day, um, I shot about 300 arrows two days ago and you know it's like shoot 20 arrows with this shoot 20 arrows with that shoot around with this shoot around with that and all of a sudden I'm just realizing holy crap there's this is to me it was I was surprised I surprised myself at what was going on and it was just one of those things where I'm like I feel like I gotta talk about this because um I feel like I learned something in a way I feel like I just had this mind grenade go off where I wasn't really expecting to be able to see much of a difference. Um, some of that's my fault. You know, I feel like I was, I feel like I just sometimes get to the point where I take stuff for granted, especially from a product point of view, because, um, you know, it is true. If you have a shooter that's really good, they can shoot really good with about anything. Um, you know, I could, I could grab I could grab a Hoyt and I can shoot really well with it. I could grab a Matthews, I could shoot well with it. I could grab um a Botech and shoot well with it. I could grab an Oneida and shoot well with it. Um because there's a lot of people making good products. But it's not very often where all of a sudden you put something on and you're like, wait a minute. Th I'm actually changing my arrow placement on the target I'm not only changing like the feel or maybe the you know the the kind of the frequency release of the bow but I'm actually changing my groups you know if all of a sudden I put on this stabilizer that's really limber and the weights are kind of reacting a certain way and kind of throwing you know, the vibration of the bow a certain direction and that arrow is still getting out of the bow, it affects it. And I was really surprised to where, you know, I can try these different modulus carbons and all of a sudden I have to like move my sight down or move my sight left. And um, it had been a long, long time since I had really got that into it. So it was pretty neat. It was a learning curve. Um, and I'm confident that one, I was happy with what I was shooting, but it also made me realize, like, you know, there are products out there that, and this is this is what was important to me. It's like there were certain combinations I put on my bow where it made me a worse shooter. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, 
if I would have had this on my bow at the start of this school of knock session, I would be shooting the exact same as I am right now, but I'd be really frustrated. You know, I was, you know, my X count was pretty substantial, you know, six, eight, eight X different, um, with certain combinations that were either like kind of really low, low end, um, you know, stabilizer and flex to where, how it was reacting. And granted, keep in mind everyone that, you know, I'm shooting a 32 inch stabilizer. Um, so the stabilizer is longer. So obviously the longer something is, the more it's going to magnify the variance in that, you know, if you're shooting a eight or a 10 inch stabilizer, I can't say that you would see these same results. Um, the longer it is, the more it changes. And I actually noticed that even when I found something that I liked, if I would go a little bit longer, a little bit shorter in it, it would slowly kind of start to change. And I did it over a magnitude of a few days so that I know that it's not necessarily just a, a placebo um, reaction. So I was pretty, pretty excited about seeing that and thankful for not having the frustration of if I would have been shooting something that wasn't good to start with, honestly, it could have been a real frustrating thing for me because I would have been shooting thinking, well, obviously I'm not shooting that good because that's a nine or that's a nine or that's a nine or that's a nine. And, and I'm saying nine for me, I'm scoring the inner X. So I'm, you know, the inner X I'm scoring as a 10. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, kind of shooting a little bit squirrely on what I would call the Vegas 10. Um, whereas if all of a sudden I have everything right, you know, my X count is just way higher. And if you didn't know any better, that could be so frustrating. And that's one of the things that I think is so important about this series is because I'm trying to walk you through a progressive series of steps that all add up and they all add up to something very important and that's you knowing that what you're doing is right so you have the confidence in what you're doing so then we can move on to the equipment and start to set up that equipment around you so you know I tell people we tune arrows we build a bow we set posture. Um, and when those things all align, then you're going to be at your peak. But one of those three things can be out of a little bit out of whack. And it certainly takes a toll on the others. And if the others are super, super exceptional in certain areas, then they may overpower that. But it also is a sign that if all the three of those cylinders are hitting at the same time, your ability as an archer are much, much higher than what you would expect. Um, so I'm really excited to see where this goes for people. I know there's some people that might be in a little bit of a struggle right now um, because you've made a lot of changes and it's frustrating to make a lot of changes and sometimes not having the confidence uh, makes it that much worse. You know, it's one thing where a coach changes you and then just walks away and there's no confirmation. You're like, oh, great. You know, I feel like I've just got worse and it's frustrating. So I think what I'm going to do is just go back to my old ways. And 
I can understand the mentality, but I can also try to stress that you should do everything you can to avoid giving in to that temptation. You're getting very, very close to the time that's involved with creating a habit out of something. You know, it's said that it takes about 21 days to create a habit with something that you're doing. So I think that we're getting pretty dang close to that time right now. And I want people to to just stay, you know, stay positive with it and, you know, keep your eye on the prize. We're getting really, really close um, to all this stuff starting to click and starting to come together. And I want you to be able to get to the point where you're set up to where you as a shooter can now start to recognize when maybe certain types of flaws in the mechanical side of things will actually impact your score, which is a very, very strong position to be in as a shooter. Um, I remember working with shooters to where they were just natural shooters, so much God-given talent for shooting a bow, had no idea how to tie their own knocking point, how to you know, how to look at knock pinch, how to know what an arrow rest should be set at. And they're just at the mercy of the other people that are doing all that for them. And then in the end, um, they just shoot. And if the bow's set up right, then they're, they're, they're peaking and they're at their best. But if that's not, if it's not working right, then they could be just like me with that stabilizer to where same person, same bow, same arrows. The only thing different is something that's reacting different during the shot and causing the direction of that bow to change and maybe how that arrow comes off that rest to slightly change. And now all of a sudden, instead of them being a, a 300, you know, 28X shooter, they're 321X shooter. Um, so... I want you guys out there to be able to start to recognize that, and we're getting really, really close. Um, what I want to do towards, you know, here to kind of finish up this podcast, and I'm giving myself quite a bit of time to technically finish it up, but I want to go through, there's a couple posts I've made on my Instagram in the last few days where there was some really good comments within those posts that were also questions that I want to just answer kind of on the fly right now. Um, so I've got uh, my iPad here in front of me, and I'm looking through the comments in my Instagram account. I know I don't always get to do this, so I apologize to the listeners. I do my best, and um, I just want to make sure everyone out there knows, you know, I dedicate a ton of time to all of you, and uh, I can't give you it all, but I, I, I give you a lot. So bear with me. I I really try my best. All right. Um, first question here is from, I think it's uh, Maceo Roberts, 9650. He's saying, um, I have a 12-year-old that runs a silverback, shoots good groups, and then he'll start throwing high shots in a line. I think he might be collapsing in the front shoulder on the high shots, um, causing different release with the silverback. Um, I don't really know what you mean by the end, but I, I think I know what you mean by um, is the silverback what's causing those high shots. So for a lot of different 
systems, and by system I'm referring to as the CAM system or the overall system of a bow design, for a lot of them, when you creep forward um, on the back wall of the CAM, so if you draw a bow back, it stops hard. If you nudge forward just a little bit, and that's called creeping, and you're kind of sitting in what I call the valley, which is the point of the bow stopping and the point of the bow really trying to take that string forward away from your hand. Um, that's the valley. For some bows, it's a very small gap. For some bows, there's a little bit more. But when you shoot weak and you shoot in the valley, like my most common miss with the current bow that I shoot is high and left about 11 o'clock now you can slightly make a few adjustments in your cam positioning to try to minimize that miss but more or less when you aren't dynamic on the the bow and when you're weak on the wall then a lot of times that arrow will slightly impact different than if you're pulling hard on the wall so a lot of times what happens when people really start to break down, yes, the front shoulder collapses. And even though they feel like they're pulling, they're not really pulling that hard. And what makes the silverback actually go off is when you creep forward enough to where the extra weight of the bow is actually, you know, the bow trying to go forward, it builds up high enough to where it, it fires that release and goes off. And in that case, you are going to hit high. The other thing, too, is they easily could be holding so long waiting for that shot to fire that their peep orientation is starting to fail. And that's what we talked about last week in the school was peep alignment. Um, so look, make sure you show them that and you talk to them about that because sometimes the longer someone holds their head starts to move position and they start to just come out of their peep or their peep starts to fall down on the on the front sight or it starts to go up and either way depending on what they naturally do because of their head position that could be why they're impacting high as well so it it could be the peep orientation or certainly could be the collapsing of the front shoulder and impacting high and there's there's kind of one thing I want to talk about um, that, and I'm going to, I'm actually going to have to scroll down because I saw someone ask this, um, and I might as well touch on it. So on this picture that I posted, I had posted, um, uh, I had posted a picture of a, of a, of a 120 X or 120 uh, point head-to-head -head round that I have so that's 12 arrows and there's only three holes in the paper in this post because for 12 arrows I shot in the same hole every time um, and but what people are noticing is that I'm actually a little bit like I'm hitting one o'clock on all of those spots and so the question here from uh, blue collar tie is did you purposely let your arrows hit on the high side of the x 
And this is a comment that's been made um, several times, like in another post. Uh, let's see. Ert Hoover um, made a comment like site adjustment, question mark. Someone else made a, uh, a comment of click, click, click. In other words, like move your site, dud. And what I want people to know is I actually cite my bows in to favor my mistakes. So by that, what I mean is on that particular bow in that particular year, when I would miss, so throughout all my practices, I monitor where do I miss? Like where's my most common miss? And this is important when you're going to Vegas because if you go to Vegas, you're really in a position where you you can't miss a 10. You have to shoot clean. So th there's been times where I've posted pictures at Vegas where people have said, you need to move your sight down a little bit because all, you know I'm literally shooting out the bottom edge of the X or just at the bottom side of the X. And for that particular bow, when I missed, I missed because I would hold too long. I would creep forward and I would shoot out the top left of the, t of the 10 ring. So I essentially sighted my bow in to favor a mistake to try to just get me through that one arrow. So if 90 something percent of my shots are good shots and I'm perfectly fine still shooting X's at the five o'clock, it's compensating for that one arrow where I get weak and I collapse and I'm shooting and just missing out the top left side of the 10 ring by one or two millimeters. So what I'm doing is I'm actually sighting my bow in that one or two millimeters to the counter side of that to where if I have that same exact miss, I'm at least rolling the dice in hopes that I can squeeze that line and, you know, get my shit back together without costing myself a point. Um, and it's, it has saved me many times. The bow that I had in that one picture was actually a bow that for whatever reason, it naturally moved up and down as I was aiming and when I'd be pulling. And for whatever reason, a lot of times when I would shoot that bow, the, I would be really close to the, to the edge of the release firing and it and I would be just kind of being patient and let my movement happen. And if I bobbled down too much, that extra movement would be just enough pressure to where it would fire my silver back. Um, or at the time I was shooting an evolution, an original evolution. So I knew that my bobbles triggered the release to fire. So I actually sighted that bow in to where I was hitting at one o'clock on the X to where if I bobbled and my release went off, I would still be able to shoot um, the bottom side of the 10. So that was actually intentional. Uh, next question here is from RK0804. Uh, he's saying, I've been littering the 10 spot, but nothing like that. Um, so far this week, I've shot 299, 297, 297. I've never shot a 300. I started the school knock shooting at 275 or 285, but with a 72 pound hunting bow, 
Um, the peep week was the most important week for me. And now I'm getting really close to popping that 300. So there's a couple things I want to talk about. I think this is a really good comment. It's awesome that you've made that kind of improvement. You know, 20, 10 to 20 point improvement is massive. One thing I want you to make sure you know, and those of you out there to know, is when I shoot these target bows, you know, I'm not shooting 70 pound bows. My target bows are a lot lighter. Um, the one that I'm shooting for my indoor is about 57, 58 pounds. The ones that I shoot during like 3D season are normally in the mid 60s, um, 62 to 65. When I shot straight like 90 meter outdoor stuff, I shot right at 60, which was the max allowed. Um, so I feel like it is easier to shoot those 300s with a little bit less weight. Um, and it also is what allows me to get the number of reps that I'm getting. You know, it's it's hard, especially on these days where I'm shooting hundreds. It would be very hard to shoot hundreds of arrows at 70 pounds. It would really wear you out. Um, so keep that in mind. And, you know, it's one thing, too, where if you really get into this, like, indoor shooting or this winter shooting or winter and spring training and you really get into the school knock, you might want to start keeping your eyes out for either a set of lighter limbs or you know even keeping your eyes out for a used target model um, a lot of a lot of people upgrade their target bows each year um, so you might be able to find a target bow that's in your draw length but more around that 60 pound range it could be something really fun for you to play with um, because you can shoot more arrows. It's hard to go out and shoot at that kind of a pace, shooting that higher poundage, and it will wear you down. And if you're trying to get through a silverback, um, it will be really tough for you to maintain posture with that. And if you feel yourself starting to break down, then what's important is you to start to recognize, like, how much rest do I need to have between sets? couple things you need to factor in is when we're shooting indoors in the winter um, or close range, the amount of time that you have resting between shots is fairly minimal because you're shooting, you're going down, pulling, and you're only having to go 60 steps and you're already shooting again. So if you're outside shooting 80 yards, well, I mean, you know, guess what? You know, you're, you know, you're going 80 yards you're not going 20 so you know it's taking you five six seven times longer to walk down there walk back so you do have more rest um so if you're shooting that higher poundage bows you know keeping your numbers of arrows a little bit lower um for each end and then also go down pull arrows come back you know have, if you have like a drink or something there in the range, have a drink, have a little chat. You know, keep in mind that when we shot in tournaments, there's always like an A line and a B line. So, um, in other words, you know, the A shooters will step up, they'll shoot their arrows, and then after their two minutes is over, 
the horn blows and now the next line goes up and then they shoot their target and they do that so that there's enough room on the shooting line for everyone to be there otherwise people would be packed like sardines so they just have these double lines um, so that you're able to have more space on the shooting line so there's really only two people shooting at a at a four foot target butt at a time and then the horn will blow and then the next two will come up and shoot at that same target so you know you kind of have to factor that in if you're shooting higher poundage and you're just shooting three arrows or four arrows depending on the week you're going down there pulling them coming back boom 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 go down there come back like you're going to wear out pretty fast so you know shooting you know one two three four go down come back you know maybe you know uh, maybe, t you know, take a few pictures of your good shots there, come back, you know, maybe set up and, um, take a little bit of a rest, make sure you're relaxed. And, you know, maybe the next end, if you're feeling a little bit tired, you just get two shots off, walk down and come back when you're shooting outdoors and you have longer distances, you're going to be able to, uh, to get through that a lot easier. Uh, next question here is from Texas vet 06. Uh, he said, been shooting it too smooth and having fun with reasonably good results. Only thing is when the shot breaks, it feels clumsy, and I almost feel like I'm flailing about. Um, shot hits good, but I just don't have a confident feeling. So this week in the school, talking about finishing the shot, committing to the execution and finishing the shot should really help you with this sensation or with this feeling. Um, you're going to have a purpose of when that release fires of what to do with that rear hand. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go to the Knock on Archer YouTube channel and watch um, watch, I think it's week seven, I'm starting to lose track, but I think it's week seven, um, execute and finish. Make sure you watch that. The other thing too, is you have to realize that you're doing a really good job. Um, and you should be proud of where you're at because shooting a too smooth or a hinge release in general, that's kind of a Jedi level move. Um, I talked about in several podcasts ago, I think I did a podcast with John Barklow, maybe one of the last ones, where John Barklow was talking about switching over to the too smooth from his silverback just for this winter training. And I told him that that would be a good move just because of the fact that even though he's executing really dynamic and quality shots with the silverback, I told him that what he'll learn from a hinge release is that there's kind of another progressive step in aiming and with patience on the target, um, just trusting and allowing that shot to happen. So, you know, I'm trying to, it's almost like there's, there's different elements of that shot that you're going to feel. So if you feel like you are a little bit, flailing about quote unquote um i think if you focus a little bit more on that shot breaking and finishing that shot you're going to have a purpose 
for what that hand is doing and you're going to start to realize that the bow's going forward the release hand is coming back and i think that you're going to end up finding that happy place and as always when you try something new it's going to feel a little bit weird at first it's going to take a while before you really start to feel it and what you're saying right now it leads right into what I'm going to try to get everyone to do for next week's homework for the school of knock. And I don't want to give that away right now, but it's a very good subject and it's going to be one to where you might shoot all week just to get the assignment done. Some people might find it on shot one. Uh, but it's going to help you. So make sure you stay involved. Uh, let's see here. Going through. Um, let's see. Knock underscore Ordy saying something I battle with is how much pressure should be added once I start executing the release versus how much should be preloaded or in other words, how hard I should pull on the back wall of the cam. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I hear a lot of people saying not much pressure should be added to preserve pin float. And it is more of a transfer of energy while maintaining the pressure using your back muscles. So, yeah, that is correct. Somewhere I had done a live feed where I talked a lot about preload. And I remember I was in front of the camera actually drawing back and I kind of moved my cams in front of the camera where I was showing what I refer to as preload and checking in um, and how much back wall pressure you should have. So that's one of the things that you really start to learn from repetition. And it's also a reason why um, for me, like going from my hunting bows to my target bow was a hard transition because the valley and the let off and just the overall feel of the cam were so different that it took me several days but until my muscle memory started recognizing like okay yeah i i know how hard i can reef on this wall or how hard i can't i know that i need to like once I start to settle into my peep, I need to kind of give almost a double confirmation of just making sure I am pulling hard on the wall because it's easy to creep into a valley. Um, all that stuff just comes with experience and comes with time. I think um, all of you out there are going to start to recognize this and it's certainly things that I will be working in to um, sessions throughout this school of knock these are all little critical aspects um, to kind of get you on your way for right now knock already um, I want you to pull back and know where the wall is but I also don't want you to like someone said exert all of that movement before you've actually let off the safety so what I like to do is if you take a rubber band and you put it on one of your hands, let's say you put it on your left hand, stretch that rubber band out between your middle finger and your thumb. Stretch that out, okay? And when that's stretched out, 
imagine that being your cable as it is at full draw right before the post of your cam comes around and hits it, which is what makes you feel that stop when you come to full draw. Okay, so once you've done that, now I want, to t I want you to take your right finger, your right index finger, and I want you to push on that rubber band. Okay, so imagine that finger as being the actual stop on your cam. What I want you to do when you come to full draw is you're obviously going to kind of bang on that rubber band a little bit harder. And then as you're like settling in, you can imagine your finger kind of taking all the slack out of that rubber band. And sometimes it may not even be touching it, but it'll be close. So I want you to imagine pushing, or in this case, we're going to be pulling just hard enough on that back wall where we're checking in and we're essentially like we're feeling the that rubber band so to speak you know as you're touching your finger and you're pushing on that rubber band be thinking about that and how it kind of relates to you pulling on the back wall of your cam and what i want you to strive for is i want you to know when you're touching it and i want you to start start pulling just hard enough to where that rubber band is bending about halfway around your index finger but not to where you're completely bending it all the way around and I want you to imagine that that is your initiative with your cam stop and your cable so I want you to draw that bow back till it stops I want you to come to your anchor position. You're going to adjust your head so you're looking through your peep sight. And then once you're doing that, I want you to do what I call as checking in. And I want you to just pull a little bit on that. And as you're pulling, just imagine that rubber band like I'm talking about. I want you to feel when you're pulling hard. And I want you to feel when you're starting to come off that wall. And then what I want you to do is to check in to where you're touching it and you know you're starting to build some pressure there and when you're there that's your starting point and that's what I want you to strive for when you then let off your safety and you continue to pull until that shot executes because if you look at it as the same as that rubber band and your finger you know as a visual as your you know when your finger touches that rubber band and you you kind of put just enough pressure on it to where that rubber band is you know is the center line of that rubber band is almost halfway through your finger that's where I want you to start and then as you're pulling by the time it starts to pass your finger I want it going um, that's when I want that release to go uh, one thing I want to stress when you're doing this exercise and you're actually feeling it on the bow itself and on your cam Make sure you have your finger on the safety. Make sure you're not relaxing your hand and shooting your release through your bow. Um, you know, I want you to feel that, but don't be thinking about that and not be thinking about the fact that you need to have your safety engaged and you need to not relax your hand and launch your release through your bow. Um, I guess with that, I'm happy with 
giving you guys that little bit to chew on for this weekend. Um, super excited about things down the road, how things are going to be uh, lining up for this summer and being able to engage with some of you out there. Um, depending on what happens, I may be doing a event at Traeger HQ the night before the Friday of the Total Archery Challenge. And I don't know. I'm excited about it. And hopefully you guys take some of this stuff from this post, digest it, and work it into your practice, work it into your routine, and hopefully makes you a little bit better. Uh, just remember, this podcast brought to you by you guys, all of you out there. Supporting us is what's supporting me being able to do this. So I really, really appreciate that, and I can't say it enough. You guys are awesome. I really enjoy this community. Love the fact that everybody is neutral and and we all get along. So I appreciate it. And that's it. Have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com